Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. So a pigeon, wherever it flies from, a performance type bird, wherever it flies from, it's gonna fly back. That's the reason why you can't fly. You can't have canaries and parakeets and stuff like that. They'll find their home wherever they want to make it. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? Train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. Welcome back for another week of GDIY, everybody. We actually have a nice surprise for you this week. So Adam's off playing his little war games with the Marine Corps, and uh, so he's not going to be joining us for the intro. He'll be on the regular episode, but we figured it'd be a good time to bring Joe out out of the shadows and from behind the scenes and kind of introduce him to the world a little bit, let him branch out. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on, guys? <laughs> so you've, you've been kind of checked in here and there uh, along the way for the past year, and uh been on a couple episodes, but nobody really knows who Joe is. Yeah, you guys told me uh, I couldn't come on the podcast until my dog retrieved. <laughs> and I'm proud to say he still doesn't retrieve. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, do you want to try and tell everybody what uh, what we have for him this week? Well, I want to say uh, happy birthday to GDIY. Well, yeah, it, that it, that is true. So it is kind of... Kind of uh, serendipitous that me and you're doing the intro because yeah. this this marks one year that we've been doing this. Believe it or not, it's kind of gone by real fast. And uh, you know, Austin started it with us, and then Adam took over when Austin had to leave and got too busy at work. And but me and you, we've been here every episode, we're every the, week. Yeah, we're the OGs. <laughs> the OGs. The OGs. Yep. So it's. Uh, what, what was your honest thoughts a year ago when I came up to you and said, hey, I think we need to start our own podcast? Uh, well, we had kind of talked about that for, you know, a little bit as we were out, you know, just working dogs and stuff. And uh, you kind of knew my background as a musician around town. And uh, I always said, man, if we ever want to start something, it would be uh, it'd be pretty cool just because I've, I've got all the equipment already and we can kind of <laughs> just get in a room and. Um, you know, you're good at talking and got a, a, you know, a deep sultry, sultry voice. (laughs) I don't know how everyone's going to, uh, like the Southern accent, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it would be a a cool thing. We, we would get together, hang out with friends, probably drink a little bit and, uh, talk dogs. I thought it would just be a good time. Did you ever imagine a year ago that it would be just cruising along like it is right now? I mean, I had a little bit of an idea, uh, just because, I mean, not to sound arrogant or, or anything like that, but we knew that we could put together a quality product and, and, uh, we knew that, uh, you know, we, we had passion for what we were doing. So, uh, 
I knew it was going to be successful. I don't know necessarily what success looks like. If success <laughs> is, is 20 people really liking what we're putting out or if it's, you know, thousands of people what we're really putting out. I didn't know it would be thousands of people liking what we put it out. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think that was kind of the humbling point for all of us is we thought that we, you know, carve out our own little niche, get get a few dedicated listeners and, uh, you know, be be that band in the smoky bar with five regular exactly. attendees listening to you play. But uh, it, it it's really been humbling over the year, just seeing it grow. Uh, the feedback that we've been getting from everybody, especially the people that say, hey, you really helped us out. You know, you gave me an idea to do this. Uh, I, I thought I was the only one feeling or thinking this. It's uh, it, It's been really rewarding this past year and it's taken off. Um, in ways that we honestly didn't think that it would. We, we like you said, we're just a couple guys listening to all the other podcasts. We thought that there was room in the in the podcast market for true do-it-yourself, everyday guys just talking about it from our perspective mm-hmm. and not a pro trainer's perspective, even though we have pro trainers on. But put it in terms that people can apply themselves to their own dogs. And, and like I said, it's been very rewarding when people reach out and say that we've helped them in any slight way. And, uh, you know, we've benefited truly talking to all these more knowledgeable trainers oh, yeah. and branching yeah. out and meeting people and friends. And we've gotten how many times have we gone hunting with other people that we would have never met because of this? And, you know, it's, it's not like we won a, won a big award or anything that we have to thank everybody for, but it's just kind of crazy when me and you were talking and we, Hey, we've been doing this for a year already flew by yeah yeah exactly and i mean it's not like we won a war but thanks to everyone who uh who's listened and given us that feedback it means a lot um it's something that we've uh released an episode uh 52 weeks straight um and most a lot of weeks multiple episodes oh, yeah. with the bonus episodes yeah you know i mean it's time away from you know our families nick's uh you know got a wife i've got a kid on the way and a wife and and adam's got you know his his troop of kids and a wife and you know, it's definitely a jobs. We all, yeah, we've got, we it's, all got not, jobs it's not like and, the podcast is paying our, uh, paying our bills or anything. Yeah. But it also makes it worth it to hear when, um, you know, when, when we, when we get that good feedback from someone who's, who's, you know, made a breakthrough with their dog or, um, you know, just people who said, oh, I got an hour drive to work every day and you guys make it a little bit easier. It makes it, makes it worth it you know right and you know we're not pro trainers we're just average people and uh the fact that we can help anybody out it it's it makes us feel good it's very rewarding and then uh even the spotlight companies along the way us being able to give even just a little bit of money back to them and then some of the rescue services that we've had on like camo i know just wrote us and said that they've actually had multiple people uh adopt dogs through them from from coming on our episode or our podcast so if that's the only thing that comes out of this podcast awesome yeah other than that you know we're we're going to continue to try and put out good content hope you guys stick with us thanks to everybody for for being along for the ride for the past year and if you just came along hopefully you stick around because we have uh bigger plans and and a lot of ideas floating around that we're going to just keep trying to plug away and bring you something worth listening to and uh you know if you if this isn't really your thing. Let us know why, and hopefully we can improve on it. And uh, you know, Joe, he does the sound. So, Joe, you know, are you going to stay on top of the sound quality and keep trying to improve that for everybody? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you now, know, and Nick, and, and, and enough of this. You know, you know, fuzzy and warm stuff. All yep. right. Enough of this. I think we need to talk about some pigeons. Pigeons, man. That's what this week's episode is about. That's what I was asking you earlier. And then you went ahead and jumped the gun and brought in the birthday talk. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry about that. I've flipped the script on you. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just not used to being on the intros. It's all good. It's fair. But, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of training dogs, what we're here for, uh, you know, a, a lot of people think that they can't get into pigeons. And so we, ha- we found a, a guy local, Adam. You'll hear about how Adam met this guy randomly. It was it's actually a pretty funny story, but uh, he he races pigeons, and we went over there and had a few beers with him, ate out, cooked out, saw his setup, and he was just explaining anybody can do this. 
even if you're in a small backyard and talking to him, it, it really became apparent that anybody can do it. You don't, yeah, you can't have 20 or 30 pigeons, you know, in your backyard if you got a small one, but there, there are a ton of setups that just your average person can do. And obviously in the dog world, pigeons kind of, it really kicks open the door on what you can do on a regular basis with birds and your dogs. I mean, you know, some people like to uh, collect sports cars like Ferraris and Lamborghinis. <laughs> Other guys like pigeons. I had no idea that um, in some cases uh, they're the same price. <laughs> pigeons yeah. in a Ferrari. I would have never guessed it. So that's uh, some of the stuff you guys are going to learn on the uh, the podcast is the uh, incredible amount someone would pay for a pigeon. Yeah, dude, it, when, he, when he spits out that price that he knows of people paying for yeah, pigeons, yeah. I was kind of, oh my God. But then you think about it. I mean, we've all heard about the people getting offered a ton of money for a hunting dog. I mean, I, true, hey, yeah. you know. I just enjoy people with hobbies. It doesn't even have to be a hobby that I share, but it's just as long as this an, an interest gets you outside. Oh. Maybe not even outside. That's what I would prefer, but just something that's bigger than yourself to invest your time in and figure out. It's just you know, there's a lot more to life than just sitting on the couch watching TV. Yeah, and I've listened to a lot of uh, Upland podcasts, and I've. I haven't heard a pigeon guy yet. So have you heard a pigeon guy? I have. Okay. Uh, but not in the not in the way that we're getting into. Okay. Well, I think uh, I enjoyed listening to it, so I think other people will, will enjoy listening All to it. Right, well, we'll get to it here in a second since this is your first intro in the year that we've been doing this. Why don't you yep. give the rundown where everybody can follow us, like us, all that fun stuff, and I'll let you have that fun for the week. Well, hey, gundogityourself.com is the place you want to go. That has a bunch of links to our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash gundogityourself. Also, instagram.com slash gundogityourself. But the good thing is, is no one uses, uh, you know, the address for Instagram. You don't, no one uses their computer on Instagram. It's always on your phone. So just type in gundogityourself and you'll find it right there. Definitely want to check out Patreon too. Uh, that puts a little... A couple nickels in our pocket, so we can go buy. Uh, right now, uh, Nick and I are trying to be a uh, low carb, so it helps us buy uh, <laughs> uh, some tequila and some Michelob Michelob Ultra. So, yeah, don't make fun of us for the Michelob Ultra. There's a reason why we don't have you on the intros the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was fun, nice change of pace. Adam, be back with us next week, and uh, hope you guys enjoy and learn something from this. And uh, again, thanks for everybody that's been involved over the past year. It's been. Uh, it's been a blast, and we're going to keep it coming. There's always something to debate or argue in the dog world, but there's this one thing that's not up for debate. All hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear, not just for yourself, but for your dogs as well. Conkey's Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound-related. Conkey's is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing, from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkeys Outdoors. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, everybody. We have Nick Panduran with us. Nick, how you doing? Pretty good. We're here to talk pigeons. Yep. So go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what got you into pigeons, and, you know, just why pigeons? 
Well, um, I've uh, I've tried uh, a lot of a lot of hobbies in the past, and my uh, my great grandfather, they they came over from Belgium, and um, you know it's something he did when like when they came to America, they had birds with them. They brought some fine china. They brought some birds. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? And, and their clothes and everything else. So it's something I always knew I was going to get into. And uh, I just finally worked myself my way around to doing it. Right. And so obviously we're we're coming at this from a, a little different perspective of why we are interested in pigeons totally than what you game. are. You know, you race pigeons. That's, right. that's your hobby. We yep. look at it as dog training and, and homers afterwards. And we're definitely going to get into that. But... But as you were explaining the other day, kind of the, how the racing pigeons work and the competitions and everything, it was actually really interesting. So it is. let's just jump on into that. You know, you you aren't just raising pigeons in your backyard just to keep you company. I mean, they may be your friends. I don't know, but you know, we have conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they're probably good therapists, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, like you said, when you were out there, when we we're just you know flying them, yep. just relaxing, watching them fly, and a lot of people. For the hobby, that's what they do. They just they sit back and so, some pigeons fly. Some pigeons actually do somersaults and rolls. There's all different kinds of there's a there's different breeds like tipplers and high flyers and there's there's all different kinds of breeds and and everybody has their own little hobby with them. Right. But for me, it's it's the racing. And uh, for me, you know, it's it's uh, uh, it's it's in depth. It's the 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 more it's like an onion. You keep peeling stuff back, and you're learning more, and you keep going with it. And um, but uh, so you know, you say that we can dive in real deep. Let's just give everybody a general outline on how racing pigeons actually works. <clears throat> all right. Well, all right. So in the beginning, like when they first started racing them, they used to put check bands on them, and you would have this clock, and you'd go to the clubhouse. And they'd have to sync all the clocks together at the same time. And then, so they're all on the same exact time. So when the bird flies into the house, you'd have to catch it, take the counter, the the, the, the band tag. off of it, yeah. and put it in the clock and turn the key, and it would lock it in. And they did this, you know, that's the, that's the way they did it for years and years and years until now, it's it's all electronics. Like, technology it's it's awesome i mean you, now you really don't even have to be there right they yeah, can they can so you know you got your you got your band on on one leg it's the it's the number it's it has like for ours it says nash the year and and it's whatever number you gave it right there and um and then the other one's gonna have like a microchip and uh you take it to the club and the club kind of syncs them together. So now we know that this microchip, when it scans, it means this bird with on the other leg with the the, the, the whatever number it is. So um, uh, when you uh, you go to the club, say on Friday night, and uh, everybody, which well, is what everybody does on Friday night, they go yeah, clubbing, yeah. right? You know, that's, we go <laughs> clubbing. That's right. Go to the pigeon club. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Different kind of clubbing, <laughs> you know. And uh, everybody puts their scans their birds in, so we know on this day that this is this is the birds that are in the race. Put them on a trailer, and the trailer goes to wherever the destination is. The first race is usually a hundred miles away. They let them go. They fly back home. They scan themselves in to the to the electronic clock. And there's a brain on. They call it the brain, and uh, so. So you, then you take that brain back to the club, and they put them all into the computers, and they'll uh, they go off a of fastest average time. So whatever bird flew from point A to point B, fastest average time win. Yeah, because your your pigeons might be flying a hundred miles, right. and mine might not. That I have any pigeons. Right. Well, you know, I got a couple from how we met. But, yeah. <laughs> That's but, a whole uh, other story. Mine might fly like a hundred and ten miles. So they're just taking the average. And whoever's right. got the fastest average speed Because wins. you have the same starting point, but everybody's yes. finishing point is different because everybody's coop is in different locations. Right. So that's the only way that you can really do it is average speed. Right. And that's how you win. Right. And we got 22 members in our club, and, you know, there's 50, 50 miles um, difference for a lot of a lot of the different lofts. 
Now, that makes sense. I've I've been telling people about getting ready to record this episode with you, and they're like, "Hold on, races pigeons? Yeah. Did you say raise pigeons or races pigeons? I'm like, no, he races them. And and my very basic example is, yeah, they they train these pigeons to come back into the loft and they scan themselves in just like at a grocery store. Yep. As they walk across the thing, it, it scans the band on their leg and, and stops the time. And people are just floored that that that's a thing. But it's it's been around for a long time. You know, it was never that way for me because, I mean, since day one, I've always known people who've done it. But, yeah, I mean, guys at work or, or friends come over and they see that mansion – Pigeon Loft Mansion in my backyard, and they're like, what in the world are you doing now? That's what they think, you know? And and we, we kind of checked out all your birds the other day. I guess you have three or four different locations where you're keeping them. You've got them separated for different reasons and stuff, but um, you're probably at like 100 birds, right? Yeah, and uh, I've really only been in this two years now. Right. So, you know, they are, they're breeders. They... You got to stop them. You got to pull them apart. <laughs> or you find a couple buddies that have bird dogs to train. Yeah, you meet this guy under a bridge. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. So I was out trapping pigeons one day. I was checking one of my traps under a bridge. And here comes Nick walking along and doing his job. You know, he works on, on the road. and yeah, uh, underground utility type work. Yep. And... I see this guy painting the ground, and I'm like, he probably thinks I'm a maniac. <laughs> I did. And finally, <laughs> finally, you look up, you say, you're hanging out with the pigeons? So I'm like, hmm, he must know something about pigeons if he's asking me that. So yep. I went down. and Well, let me, let, me t- let me tell it from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, let's hear your side of it. I'm out there working, and, uh, you know, I've seen some weird things under a bridge before. Sure. <laughs> you know, and uh, I see this nice truck. It's going down this dead-end road. And there's no reason for anybody to be down this dead end road. So I'm, my radar's up. Well, I kind of forgot about you, and I'm doing my job. I was on the phone with some guys from work, and I look over, and he's just squatted under a bridge. I'm like, hey, buddy, I got to let you go. I got to see what this guy's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with the pigeons. Yep. Oh, man, this this hobby has you meet all kinds of folks, but uh, that that's probably one of the more interesting. Is. Isn't that now we're sitting here talking pigeons and, and dog training yep. with a guy just from Adam trying to trap pigeons under a bridge, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it, you've kind of just the few times we've talked and met and, and discussed these pigeons, you're kind of opening up the possibilities and, and kind of how anybody can really do this anybody can and and that's what i found fascinating is when i got into this world you know we're talking to everybody and everybody assumes that you have to have a bunch of land you have to have a bunch of space to raise pigeons and uh you know obviously a, a lot of dog trainers would be interested in having pigeons if they can because it's just there's a ton of reasons yeah to have them at your disposal so let's just Let's just start there. We're going to automatically assume that you've checked with your HOA, your codes, your city laws, whatever. You know, we're just going to assume that you're in Let's the Let's assume that. Because we, can't, <laughs> we obviously can't address everybody's situation on that. Well, and Nick's on the, on the edge of an HOA, right. so he doesn't fall into the HOA, but... Well, I'm talking about everyone else. Jokes. Everybody yeah, else. Right. So you have to sort through those details on yeah, your own. That, do your <laughs> yeah, own yeah. homework and due diligence. You know, I'm not going to rat you out if you send me a picture of your coop after listening to this episode or not. But describe to everybody, you know, why they don't really have to have that much land. You know, just anybody can do this. So a pigeon, wherever it flies from, a performance type bird, wherever it flies from, it's going to fly back. That's the reason why you can't fly. You can't have canaries and parakeets and stuff like that. They'll find their home wherever they want to make it. But the pigeon, you can force him to. This is where you. This is where you're gonna live, buddy. And and in uh, like I showed uh, I showed Adam a coop, um, not far from where I met you under that bridge. Right. It's, this <laughs> <laughs> this thing is. It was small. This guy made it. It was probably two foot long or two foot wide and two foot high and he had like four birds in there four square feet yeah four square feet and um he I, he's got birds flying in and in and out of them and um but i mean 
for a, a dog guy, I mean, um, you know, like at funerals and, and uh, weddings, um, they let the white doves go. Well, those yeah. are only, those are just white homing pigeons. Yeah. So right. just say, <laughs> just say a man builds a coop and he's training his dogs and whatever. And the bird comes home. If he, well, if he's raising those white birds, hell he could, he could be doing, funer- yeah, he could be doing funerals and weddings on the side <laughs> with the same birds. Dual purpose. So, so you've seen coops just in a regular backyard. This is just a general, what, quarter, half acre lot in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That, that a dude had a four square foot yep. pigeon coop and he was homing pigeons in and out of yep. there. Uh, there's another one I've seen um, um, not far from that one. There's, You know, when you start getting in things, you start, you start noticing. noticing. Yeah, yep. you start noticing what's in people's backyards. And there's another one I've seen where it's just, uh, you must have 20 birds in there, probably at least seven foot tall, six foot tall, and five foot wide. And he probably had, you know, 30, 40 birds in there. You know, you're you're similar to to Nick and I, like, once you get into a hobby, you're you're jumping in with both yeah, feet. You know, for us, it's, for us, you know, we get a dog, and then next thing you know, you're picking your truck based off of your dog, and you're outfitting your truck according to your dog. And, and you have a weekly podcast. You have a weekly podcast. It, yeah, it never ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when we went to your house, I'm like, man, he's got a nice. <laughs> Pigeon set. It's like we see a giant coop. We're like, oh, that's neat. And he's like, well, come look at this coop. And we're right. like, oh, okay, that's neat. And then he's like, hold up, come up in this room. Oh, well, there's more. And then it's like, let me take you in the back of this shed. Oh, there's more birds. It's right. Like, it's just, just birds everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but for for a guy that's going to do it just for the sake of training a bird dog, working on whatever it is you want to work with, uh, work on with your dog. I don't need a hundred birds. No. I'm, you know. So you seen the the one that was by the shop. That was a right. chicken coop. I converted, and you and it's not how a many very big. How many coop. birds do you have in that thing? You think? I mean, I've had probably up to 50. forty of them. Oh in wow! There. Okay. So, but right now it's probably only twenty in that one. Yeah. But um, the main thing is, uh, like I said, you know, you can keep making them. So right, if one decides not to fly back, that's not a big deal. You've not that you've big got of a more. deal. So um, let's but, let's just keep going down that road. What? What do you need to consider when you're designing a coop? You know, obviously, as we mentioned, if you're just a person in a regular backyard and you have one bird dog that you want to train, you don't need 20 pigeons, right. you know, three to maybe five tops. If as long as they don't get picked up, picked off by a hawk or something later right. on. Well, you, you want know. to make them feel safe. That's yeah. the number one. So, but <clears throat> just like chickens, they're super hardy. A lot of guys have an open face loft no matter what the size is. The main reason being is you want to, you want the, um, they have respiratory problems. So if it's closed in and when they're, you know, if you don't keep it clean, it'll create dust and they create their own dust and it, it, it creates a whole bunch of problems. So a lot of people just so have it needs open, to be well ventilated. Right. But not drafty. Okay. But, you know. So there's a balance there. We right, need but, airflow, but we don't want it to be freezing cold in the wintertime. Right. But, thing. you know, that's what they say. When you're reading about these birds, they'll say, uh, they'll say ventilated, but no draft. But I've been to people's coops where it's just, I mean. It's Pretty three, open. It's, yeah. It's a back, a top, and two sides, and the whole front's open. Well, yeah. I'm assuming if you do like the the solid wall, you know, do it on the north facing so that you don't get that north wind come in during right. the winter and take them out. Yeah, yeah. And, and just be smart about that, you know. And, so, obviously, you need it well ventilated. Say if we're only needing five five pigeons, then what, a square foot per pigeon probably a good that would, bet? Yeah, that would be, it'd be awesome right okay. there. Okay. What else do you need for those pigeons, even that small amount of a pigeon, you know, roosts, nesting boxes. Yeah, they don't like whatever. to be on the ground, so you need to have like some perches in there so they can keep themselves off the ground, um, and uh, something where they can trap into. So if you are going to fly them, like the return box, right? So in this, they call them bobs, and you can open and close it, and so they'll go out of the loft, and you open the bobs up, and that's all it is. I've seen I've seen um, YouTube videos where people use a a, a, a wire and they'll take uh, coat hangers, yeah, and they'll bend them straight and it's they push through them, but they're long enough to where they can't push back through them. Yeah, that's my that's, style. Use some coat yeah, hangers I mean, and save a few bucks. <laughs> that's uh, reclaim wood. A lot of that stuff you've yeah. seen. What I built was 
stuff I had sitting around. Right. A lot of it. So what's the process for training those birds to come back? I mean, do they naturally want to do that on their own or do you have to condition them to do that? Well, yeah, they, they naturally want to do it on their own. Um, but you, you can't, it needs to be a comfortable situation for them. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, you know, in, in the perfect world. So when, when they're, uh, when they're born, you're taking them from them, you're weaning them from the parents at like 28 days old. And then, hell, you could fly them at, you know, probably 30 days old. Okay. So what the, what you're doing is you're kind of, you're pushing them on the other side of the bob. So you might need an extra cage on the outside of the, of the trap. Okay. So you're putting them on that side of the trap. And every time you feed them, you're whistling. So when it's time, when it's time to eat, they're going to be a little hungry. So you, you put them on the other side of the trap. And you just get them used to coming through that trap. Like this is the entrance of the. This is how you get in in the home, and you keep keep doing that about a week. I've done it for four days, and then I take that outside cage off, kind of open it up, and kind of let them get their. Uh... So outside of your main uh, loft, you've got like a, a little door with the bobs where they can walk mm-hmm. through. Um, outside of your main loft, you've got like an area where they can land and you can totally close that area off. Mm-hmm. So you can put them out there, close that area off. And then if they want to eat, they basically have to come back. They have the to go through there. So later when you fly them, they already know how to come through the bobs and they know where food comes from right. too. Right. And that's, you know, you seen me when I was whistling. Right. I want them to come in there as fast you as they can. You got them trained. Because I mean, I'm you trying to out. shave seconds. <laughs> right. You, you know. You don't want them to come. You're racing, so you don't want them to come back to the loft and, and sit on top of the roof for a while before no. they come in. They need to come straight mm-hmm. in. And then sometimes when they're coming home, they'll naturally circle a couple times to look for predators. Mm. And I've we got these birds we call them chicos or droppers. Okay. And those birds don't like to be outside. They're, they're breeds like satinets or fantails, stuff okay. like that. And I, you know, I, I bring them out and they want to go straight, straight in. So as soon as I seen the birds come over top, come home, I let them go and they fly into the coop. And then the homers are like, okay. It's oh, so, so there's some like, tricks. So I'm, sh- to I'm shaving your- more seconds. Yeah. Right there, that makes know? sense. Yep. So I want to get back to the actual coop though let's get yeah. the setup going and then we're really going to dive dive deep in how to get these birds working the way we want right. to uh so obviously you just described we need to, the bobs to eventually right. have a section for them to come back on but how much consideration do we need to give to other stuff getting in through those bobs such as you know if you're in a neighborhood you're going to have house cats mm-hmm. you're going to have raccoons maybe uh, other hawks get in there, so yeah, on, so I've, forth. I've so, seen people where that that's happened, or hawk. They'll come in the coop, and there'll be a hawk inside. The yeah. Coop. So, oh man. So you know, you don't just have the bobs open all the time. You right. do need a way to to shut it off. Like you, Adam was just saying that you have kind of a a little swinging net door that goes over it. I've seen some people that have plywood that they can just flip over it. But what other considerations does somebody that knows nothing that wants? I want a four or five bird coop in my backyard what else do they need to consider for the construction of it um you know waterers stuff like that but the thing about pigeons and chickens like the same thing it's you want a waterer where they can't get into it where it keeps the crap out of it you know what i mean so there's special uh pigeon waterers that you you would look into and there's uh places you can go to like foys uh seagull pigeons on internet and or amazon you can have them shipped straight to the house yeah um, as far as feeding them, like uh, any kind of cafeteria style chicken feeder will do. I mean, or you can just—I've seen guys make their own. It's—it's you know, it's pretty simple stuff to do. You just throw the feed in there, All right? And yeah. mo- in most feed stores, you know, um, they'll carry uh, pigeon feed, but you could probably use um, certain chicken feeds or just wild bird feed. Yeah, you know, if if you can find in, it at Tractor right. Supply, right? In, in y'all's or world. I mean, you don't. You wouldn't have to go very far to to keep these things healthy and fed, right? So, what about like the location of the coop? Because you know, from what I'm being told, if you put it right up against a house, you know, they may not home as well because they don't have the roof and you know, and a very good visibility if a house is blocking it or underneath a tree. Like, but 
Well, there's it, there's ways around that. Okay. So so you could take a um a kennel, like a, one of the open kennels, like the wire kennels. Put yeah. the birds in that, and you could sit that on top of their uh, um, loft or different places of the yard. So they're not flying. They haven't got out of the coop yet, but you could move them around so they'll know that this is home. You're letting them oh, get okay. a visual of right. everything around the, area. the place. Right. Yeah. Because I've seen um I've seen people's coops where. I don't even know how they fly into it. They're so covered with trees and stuff <laughs> like that. And it's, but you know, but it works. Yeah, and no, they'll be winners. These guys are successful racers, and that's, I don't know how. That's so, pretty funny. You carry them around, and you're like, "This is what the front yard looks like." Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So baby stepping it on up, yeah. get used to the area, yep. and so yeah, because that's when I was. You know, I toured around with my first coupe last year. That's what I was being told is I built it too close to the garage roof and the and the trees were over it and they won't be able to see it or fly as well. And I'm like, surely they can figure this out. Yeah. So it's just it's just a matter of, you know, ideally would you want it like out in the middle of the yard for yeah, an easier location? <clears throat> ideally you'd want it um no trees around. Yeah. Flat. Where they could see for miles, ideally. But yep. you've seen my yard. I mean, they don't get the. It's enclosed with trees. And yeah. Once they get up over them, they can see. But they don't get up. They don't get over the trees until I let them go. Right. And And I'm gonna be honest. I don't really do anything special. Once I get them trained through the bobs, um, I just open the door and I just pray a hawk don't come by and scare them. <laughs> you know, because my my very first time I let these birds go, uh, I was nervous. Yeah. You know, and and. Uh, that's what I did. I woke up early in the morning. I had them really hungry. You know, I pushed them out on my aviary. I opened the door up, and everything went well for four minutes. And a Cooper Hawk come in and scared them all over the place. My wife was like, told you let them out too soon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm yelling and cussing and Neighbors are probably thinking I'm crazy, and well, they know. probably think you're crazy, anyways. You got a hundred yeah. pigeons in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, they don't know that. <laughs> oh man! So, the daily routine. You know, obviously, you're you're a little different because you have a hundred pigeons. Yeah. But let's let's take a five to ten bird coop. What is the daily routine like? What is the time commitment oh, every five day? Five birds. You? It would you know, ten minutes a day. Okay. All you have to spend. And you you come home from work, maybe you scrape it down and get all the crap out of it, feed and water them, and they're done. You know you want to <clears throat> you want to uh, train them as they're young birds to go in and out of the door. So say say I gave you uh, some older birds that I've flown at my house. Those birds, they're not gonna. Fl- you can build them the nicest, fanciest uh, coop in the world. They're not gonna fly back to it. They're gonna come back to my house because they're ungrateful. Yes, very. They <laughs> like me so better. Even if even if you took a a really long time training those birds that this was their coop, it's been done. But most likely they're just going to yes. fly back to what they consider the, home. The only way that you're gonna you're gonna have to like it's gonna be a process. You're gonna have to make them fall in love with another one. Yeah, maybe they're gonna have some babies. Stuff like that. They're okay. going to talk about a future together. That's that's what I've heard is you can get older ones, but you need them to, to reproduce in the new coop. You need to give them at least six months, and then it's still a maybe that they actually it's, home. Yeah. Well, you got to have a reason to come back to that coop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you got a girlfriend there, why yeah. not, right? Yeah. So besides the time, I mean, obviously the time's not that big of a deal because if it's just five or ten minutes a day, I mean, heck, you know, five five, ten minutes in anything on a daily routine. Is mm-hmm. there any downfalls to having your own coop and set up for the average person? You know, if there's something that just annoys you with what what work it it brings you, whether it's money, time, you know, whatever, <laughs> what are the honest downfalls to doing something well, like this? Well, I think this? the only downfall is anytime you have seed around, you're going to have rodents. Okay. So you got to stay on top of having traps out. You got to keep, and, and for, for in your world, you're going to have to think of different ways of doing it because you, I just put poison out. I don't yeah. have a dog that runs around the backyard. Um, and as for the most part, it keeps everything away. Every now and again, I'll, I'll see something and throw it in the trash or whatever. But in your world, you'd have to come up uh, with a, a live trap situation or be more creative like the the bucket water method where they walk the plank <laughs> and all that good stuff, you know? Right. Um, or, you know, Hey, 
chickens are like little velociraptors, man. If you they have, keep the babies away, yeah. If you yeah. have a, if you have a coop set up for pigeons, you can have a couple chickens under it, and they'll tear up some mice. Yeah, that's that's my plan is to put some chickens underneath mine. Yeah, just help process up their yeah their droppings and everything through the coop too. But you, my you know I got the 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 wire floors and all that stuff, yeah. so the droppings just go through them. Well, if they you know I'm not going underneath there cleaning them <laughs> up. So, but that is good. I didn't even think about the the rodent issue, and obviously, if you have it right up next to your house, you know it might bring rodents into yeah, your house. That I would is something to consider. I would keep it you know not too far, but not too close. And I think a house. lot of city regulations require it to be a certain distance away from your home anyway. But again, yeah, we're not getting probably into all that. probably right. a good idea just to keep it away from your yeah. house, anyways. But you know, we're we're looking, we're trying to evaluate the cost and the time associated to this. And I can relate it to having a garden. People that say, I'm going to have a garden and save money on vegetables. Well, you're not going to save any money on vegetables. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. It's going to your back. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to spend a lot of time out there too. So there's a level of enjoyment and availability that you get. You know, you can't just evaluate time and money. You know, a tomato out of the garden tastes better and it's right there handy to get. So, you know, there's benefits to having pigeons as a as a bird dog uh, person, you know, as a dog mm-hmm. trainer, um, because they're available. You can go right, right in your backyard and use them. Um, but let's talk about the the cost of all of it. I mean, but, well, you've seen the monstrosity that I have, right? <laughs> you see all those birds I got. Yep. And I'm I'm buying pretty high end feed, um, and once you you can get into the different kinds of feed. For in my world, there's your breeder mix, your maintenance mix, your racing mix, and it goes from different carbohydrates to different proteins. Same thing with dog yeah, food. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh um, but for five pigeons, a forty pound to fifty pound bag will last you a long time. I mean, how how much are you feeding your pigeons every day? So the easiest way to explain it, you know, the little viney weenies. Yeah. The little cup. Yeah. That's like four or five birds. Okay. Oh, okay. Something like that. So, like a fifty-pound bag of food. If I had ten pigeons, would last, last me a long like time. months. Yeah, a very long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really, there's not that much cost associated as far as feed. Now, what about? Do you have to treat the water for like disease or something yeah, like that? So, like I said, they. Uh, <clears throat> so I got a lot of birds, right? So think about it. Uh, in one section, there might be fifty birds, and then fifty birds are all drinking. They're all the putting their faces water. in in one thing of water. So yeah. if uh, uh, somebody has something pop up, it can spread fast. So you got to have another little, in my so world. you have your pigeons wear masks? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Just teach them to social distance. I They'll couldn't be resist, fine. man. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people have like a little hospital where they'll take something sick okay. and, and put it away from everybody else until it gets well and then put it back into the yeah in, in the general population okay so so you're do you still go through the effort like say if you need to treat all the birds something happens to the whole flock you, you know what's the what's the thing of pigeon medicine for your common well, that can ailments? get it can get high what like i said so if you if you only having five to ten birds it's not going to be uh, too expensive and my what i'm doing is going to be expensive because i'm i'm treating more birds but yeah. like i said you can go to these uh, uh racing pigeon supply websites and order everything to the house but you got to worry you got to worm them just like taking care of anything worm them keep keep clean water and they get they get stuff like uh, canker or salmonella because if, if you don't take care of the water they'll be crap in the water stuff like that those are the right. most common ones and um, and other here's another thing is uh, when you're when you're buying your wire, you want mm-hmm. the smallest wire. Like you don't want nothing where a mouse can get through the wire, because if a mouse goes in there and gets on the feed, oh, and they yeah. defecate and urinate on the feed, then it can cause more disease. So yeah. like hardware cloth would probably be better than welded wire. Well, well, welded wire, but it, you know like. Um, um, just a really a very really small, small expansion yeah and like a, another guy in the club he noticed a sparrow went through one of his wires and he looked at the sparrow and it had a, a bad leaky eye and he was put, dick, dipping his face in the water and the food and uh-huh. you know and that can cause more disease so yeah so just maintaining a, 
a clean loft is probably important too. I mean, well, that's the thing is health and, and, you know, but you, there's, there's another rule of thumb where some guys say that, uh, if you keep it too clean, then they'll never, uh, create a, um, resistance to anything yeah mm. so okay. same way with people you know yeah. Yeah. if you're not exposed to anything but you don't want to be exposed sure. to everything all at once mm. right that makes sense so you know th- that's covering some of the disease or or health issues as far as the birds but you know there are some diseases that humans can contract from pigeons and obviously the more birds and the more dust it develops that's the, the big one the, that's the big one and you know what what what's it called you have the uh the pigeon lung or mm-hmm. the bird fancier's lung and i actually looked it up earlier it's like hypersensitivity pneumonitis that's yeah, yeah. and it, uh, and it's what, flu-like symptoms so yeah. describe that like do you ha- keep that when you go out to your coop do you keep like do you take precautions for that <laughs> Well, I will now because it hit me probably three times so far this year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Took you three times to learn? Yeah, I'm a a dummy. (laughs) Well, we did meet under a bridge, so I'm I'm right there with you, man. You know, but I was in the coop all day, and one of them, I obviously don't have enough ventilation. Mm -hmm. And, um, And that's what I'm doing is I'm scraping and I'm getting it clean, but, you know, it creates a more dust. Yep. I go inside and, you know, I'm relaxing and just, oh, I feel like crap. I start getting a yeah. headache. I start I start feeling hot. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. So I'm taking all kinds of medicine because I got to go work in the morning. Sure. And But it hit me three times this year. And, and But simple um, drywall masks, you yep. know, or your COVID-19 mask hey. probably will work <laughs> yep. at least one or two times before that's right. it, it clogs up. Yeah, because I know that's important is keeping it well ventilated, maybe have a mask on because, you know, it, a lot of the times like what you're describing, it's just kind of a, a one and done thing. But I know there are some people that have inhaled it so deeply that it's a lifelong issue for them right? for, uh, for the rest of their life, right. obviously. And yeah. so, I have a neighbor who had birds for 40 years and now he's, he, he still wants to enjoy the hobby. He still wants to keep his but birds, he can't. but he can't. Wow. You can't do it no more. So how often do you have to get out there and clean out your loft and everything? I mean, what's that process look like? It's, I mean, you know, you, you got, I'm taking buckets out and, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, it's like everything else. The more you're out there, the less work you got to do. The longer you let it go, the more work you got. So. Yeah. Kind of stay on top of it. Yeah. And it's so not I try to stay on top a of A big it. deal. And, and then if you set the coop up right to where their droppings and everything falls on the outside of the coop, like underneath right. it, rain washes it away or whatever. And if you noticed on the inside, I had uh, those wood pellets. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that kind of, it it will absorb any kind of wetness. If, if they do have some soft crap, yeah. it'll absorb it. And it's like, it works like kitty litter almost. I just go in yeah. there with like a, uh, like a, Scoop, yeah, yeah, scoop, and just, just scoop all the, the hard stuff, put it in a bucket, and I take it out. Okay. And I replace that probably twice a year. Okay, okay. that's and, not too big. And those deal, bags then. are, I bought forty two of those bags for everything, and I think they only run me like eighty bucks. So that, yeah. that's not very expensive either. No, that's not too bad. And uh, that's if you're gonna have if your floor is gonna be a wood floor. Would you recommend have because you've had some different setups? Mm-hmm. Would you recommend a wood floor and using like the kitty litter type wood pellets, or do you think the the wire floor well, is a better option? Depends on how much uh, time you want to spend. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for you know, for somebody who's raising uh, dogs, I would probably just say get the wire because mm-hmm. this is less. You know, then all you do is chunk and feed and water, and it's you don't really have that much maintenance involved with it at all. Right. That's that's what I would say. But I, I guess one of the benefits to a wood floor is it's going to keep, it's going to have uh, a better barrier for rodents and stuff and weather, getting in there and, and weather. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. All right. So, you know, you guys kind of jumped into it a little bit earlier ago, but let's get into the training from squeaker to homer. You know, yeah. you, you bring a pigeon home, whether it's, it's a squeaker that you find from a breeder or you get some older pairs and they breed. To take us from the process real quick on 
about how long can you expect it to start homing to where you can use it reliably and, you know, kind of what you're talking about training through the bobs and then more specifically the whistling when you're feeding. What's the purpose of that? Why do you do that? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, you know, 28 days old, you, you're, you're weaning them from the parents. So if you're getting a bird, you want one around 30, 30 days old, 42 days old. Once you start getting into birds that are six month old and haven't been homed, it's, it's, it, it gets harder to home. Like, uh, uh, for instance, I had a guy give me older, older gentleman. He gave me some birds that he wanted race this year, but he wasn't going to be able to do it. And he, you know, he probably don't spend as much time with them as he used to. So what I did, I took and uh, I got some, uh, Adams flea and tick, uh, shampoo cause they had mites on them. They do get like a feather mite, just like a chicken would. Okay. And I, I filled a buck, a five gallon bucket. And I put these birds in up to their neck, and I, I swirl them around about 15, 16 times, and it knocks all the dust, all the, all the, uh, it just Ice. soaks their feathers. So then I put them out on the landing board. This is after I've trained them to come in through the bobs, and it takes almost two hours for them to dry out completely. So in that time, they've went from the landing board to the roof. They haven't gone far, so it kind of slows them down. Because if I wouldn't have done that. Like I say, these birds are like six months old. As soon as they hit the landing board, they would have flown off because they're already kind of spooky. But for my birds, you know, they're when I'm raising them from the egg, they they see they know me, they know my hands, they know, um, so they're not as spooky. So I don't really have to do that. So 28 days, I'm taking them from the parents. I'm I'm putting them all together. I'm, I'm I got them on the floor, and I got like a couple nursemaids in there. Because there's a couple in there that probably uh, still having a hard time feeding themselves or watering themselves, and and these pigeons they uh, they make milk, and that's what they in their in their. Uh, oh, okay, I got and that's, you. And that's what it's a real milk that they're feeding these babies. It's full of vitamins and stuff too. That's another thing. But uh, so I'm getting them used to the loft, and then in my loft I got an aviary, so. A couple of days later, I let them in the aviary. And the reason I got such a big aviary is just so they can see my yard. And then uh, a couple of days later after that, then I'll start putting them on the other side of the bob in, a, in another little aviary. And then I'm starting to train them to go through the to the uh, bobs. And how I do that is if you want to eat, I whistle when it's time to eat. And if you want to eat, you got to come through that bob. Yep. And uh, – and if it takes you a long time, there might not there might not be enough food there for you. So it's not going to happen. And so to the whistling thing, though, there there's a re- you're not just doing that because you enjoy whistling to no. make them eat. You do that to call them back into right. the coop later on when they're flying around and not just on the other side of the bobs. Right. So like on for 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 the main reason for me is when they're coming in on race day, I start yep. whistling and they should be diving straight in because they've just flown hours on the wing you're teaching recall to your birds right yeah that's what you're and, doing and you've yeah. you've associated it you, you've made the pigeons associate the whistle to food right and i'm also um i got a little shaking the cup. I'm, I'm shaking uh, a cup with seeds in it and right it's two things and that almost works better than the whistle yeah and like it's, I, it's I told you before deal. i got a different whistle when i when i get out of my truck at work when i get off of work i'm walking there and i got one whistle this i'm hyping them up i'm like all right, boys and girls, we're about to we're about to fly, and then I got a different whistle for when it's dinner time. Yep, and uh, yeah, so I mean, these birds are they're really smart birds. It's, oh yeah, and, and when I'm training them around the coop, I'm using a stick, so I don't they don't associate my hand as being a bad thing. Okay, so, you know when I'm when I'm pushing them along, if I want them to go out this door or, or in this door, and, and see, I think that's where the dog trainers may be a little different because we're going to be grabbing the pigeons, putting them in a bird bag, putting them under a cage or in a laundry. Right. They're going to have to get used to the hands <laughs> yeah. for, from yeah. the dog guys. Right, right. But I understand where you, if you're in it to race and you're not, you know, dog training with them. Then yeah, you don't you don't want your hands to scare them because like you said, you want yeah. them to always want to just get home as soon as possible. Right. And, if and you every gotta, every Friday, I got to catch them all up. Yeah, and put them in a crate. So there you go. And I don't want to you know scare them too bad. So. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, we don't want to damage the birds and hurt them. Uh, 
you know, we want them to be healthy birds. Ironically, any of the birds that we keep to train with, we (laughs) always take care of them and feed them and water them for however long we have them. And then, you know, we will, we obviously end up shooting birds, but we want them to be able to fly good. Mm-hmm. Um, but not as good as you want to. Right, so exactly. you're like, I'm Different not even game. handling the birds with, <laughs> with my hand because I don't want to damage feathers and stuff like that. So if like, if you noticed the, uh, the wire at my house, most of it was PVC coated wire. So they don't, it's another thing they'll damage their wings on. Right. Yeah. We're, we're not too concerned. So probably not a necessity <laughs> to have PVC coated we're not wire. Clo- we're not clocking them to see if they get away from the dogs. <laughs> right. We just they want just them to get away, get from, them the away from the dogs. You just dog, want them to yeah. go home. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's Use it. them again. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely different, not completely different. It's the same reasons of why you right. want the pigeons to home, but just a different why essentially. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, you know, our exercises with the pigeons are going to be completely different than yours. And so Adam, like just real quick, like let's cover a few considerations that maybe us as the dog yeah. handlers and trainers need to consider as opposed to just a racer, just so the listeners are like, all right, we've heard 40 minutes on pigeons real quick. <laughs> Why sure. should I entertain the idea of dealing with four or five pigeons? Well, I think we, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, you can, I think you have the opportunity to save some cost on birds. Um, for a while, I was thinking, man, I don't need that many birds for my dog just for a puppy to get them pointing. You know, you're, you're probably better off to just buy some birds, yeah. use them and be done. But when you start working on steadiness, um, you really go through some birds, yeah. you know, especially if you want to get into what I would consider advanced steadiness. So even though my dog is steady through wing shot and fall, I'm still doing stuff in the yard with a bird that has taped or clipped wings. That's really enticing to the dog. It's the train hard test easy mentality. If my dog will be steady to that stuff, then he'll be steady in the field. So if you got birds on hand that you can get out and throw birds in front of your dog's face, you know, one after the other, it's just more exposures. I've used the example before of when people order birds for training day, how many birds you want? Well, there's cost associated to it, right? So it's like, I'll take three. But if I asked you how many bumpers you wanted for retrieving, you'd be like, dude, I don't, I mean, a hundred, I don't know. Yeah. Why does it matter to yeah. pay for them once and use them all you want? So it's the same concept here is you're not then counting dollar signs as the birds fly away every time. Right. And, and you know, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about this really being a DIY thing. Anybody can do it. Even if you have the small half acre lot in the middle of a neighborhood and it's just the availability instead of you having to drive maybe an hour or two hours away to training grounds. Obviously, you can't go plant a pigeon in your backyard and simulate a full on shot sequence and everything for steadiness. Sure. But like what you're saying, there's a bunch of yard work exercises from bombing your, you know, your dog with the pigeons, uh, whoa place. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do with pigeons. And if you can just walk out in your backyard, that gives you a little bit more training options than just bumper workers or something that you would do during the week until you get to the weekend. And the more people we talk about or talk to about pigeons, most people don't realize. And I didn't realize until talking to you, Nick, that it's it's a more approachable situation to have it in your backyard than what we initially thought you know most people when they see these pigeon coops they see kind of what you have a giant johnny house with a bunch of birds but if you're just your diy handler and you got one dog or two dogs and you just need a handful of birds on a regular basis you can do that in your backyard it doesn't have to be elaborate i mean for somebody who's never uh cut wood could build one of these coops you know what i mean like i mean it, it wouldn't take much I mean, heck, like you were saying, take a, a an old wire dog kennel, slap a roof over the top of yeah. it, and there's a coop. Yep. Really, it is. I mean, um, I mean, get on uh, Facebook Marketplace and buy an old chicken coop yeah. and put a bob in there. That's all you'd have to do. Yeah, I've seen them for $100, $200. Nick's already found one for me. He's like, hey, I found this coop. I said, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I've only got about a year left before I'm moving, and uh, yeah. that will be a priority for me, though, when I move is to get some pigeons going and I think Jackie's excited about me having another hobby. Oh, yeah. Especially I can see you you're, in two years, you're going to be going to the same races that Nick's at. And I'm, I'm going to get I, you yeah. guys in it. I'm just curious at, at these races 
about how many people do you have in there? And then like we're talking about money prizes on some of these races. Some of them, as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you'll get like twenty two guys in our club, and there's not. It, there's two different kinds of racing. There's the club racing, which I do, and uh, just bragging rights. Really, a lot of people talking crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff. Sure. Get, getting you, uh, getting you riled up for the next weekend, or uh, but then you got the one loft races where. It's this guy who's got a ginormous coop, and you're sending babies to his house. And so it's it's all, you know, there might be 700 birds in this loft. And that's, on race day, there's 700 birds going out. So it's the first one to the loft is the mm-hmm. winner. And $100,000 first prize and, and, and stuff like that. That's so crazy. And then it's all nuts. the racers, is, it's kind of like the dog world, you know, the the more successful racers. Right. They're going to breed, and then they're going to sell those baby yeah, I, squeakers I, off to somebody else. I yeah. mean, you—it's just like every other hobby. If you do it right, you can actually just really dive in, and there can be some money made. And of course, then you're just going to go buy another coop and more birds, so it's down the, the drain. Next thing you but, know, you're looking at pigeon pedigrees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And those, those pedigrees go deep. Yeah, I mean, and you figure <laughs> a bird—a bird can uh, live up to 15 years. And uh, I got—I got some I'm breeding out of right now. It's 10 years old. Wow. So just say a guy's got a bird that he's been breeding for 10 years. Yep. And he's selling, what, $2,000 babies? Or, oh, or, or my more, goodness. $2,000 yeah. babies. Yeah. yeah. And think about that. Well, I always think the, the so time and money that I have invested in my dog, if I, you know, I I will run my dog at the end of the street where there's a, a busy road close by, and I'm like, Make sure the e-collar is on, connected correctly, <laughs> the battery's charged, so I got a safety backstop. Right. If I let a $2,000 pigeon out of the loft... It's not leaving the loft. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's, using it for it, breeding stuff. Yeah, that, thing okay. is, that thing's not flying. I okay. got gotcha. you. It's, it's, it's just all genetics. Stock. That's why he's there. Gotcha. He's living a good life. Well, I'd have him in a in a very secure coop somewhere. Yes, yes. <laughs> there, there's people out there buying pigeons... For the genetics, just as I mean, as much or if not more than a lot of these people are buying dogs for. Well, I, I'll tell you this: What's the most expensive dog that you've known that's ever been sold? Oh, I mean that if you want to get into finished dogs, yeah, finished champions, dogs. yeah. Oh, I mean, there's five to ten thousand dollars is not unheard of for like uh, a finished oh, yeah. dog. I mean, I've I've heard as you know fifty, sixty thousand yeah. dollars offered for like the right champion dog. Well, well the record was just broke. <laughs> there was a bird. His name was Armando. He was a Belgian bird, and a, and a Chinese fancier bought him for one point two million dollars. Oh my oh, goodness! Yes, sir. So you got South Africa, Australia, China, Taiwan. Belgium is the mecca. Uh, uh, the Netherlands, Germany. Like, there's there's a lot going on, and there's it's it's you know in in the racing game, though, especially the one loft. That's that's all gambling. So. Okay, so so it's not just prize money. It's just it's just bragging right gambling on. It's the side. money. It's yeah. money. There's you know? some side bets going on. I bet. Oh, just I mean, if first prize is a hundred thousand, you don't have to do no side bets. You know. Yeah. You're just trying <laughs> yeah. to win. Man, so what do you feed a one point two million dollar? <laughs> I don't pigeon? know. I don't think I would ever do. I couldn't because right. I would just. You walk out to the loft and something happened and you just have a heart attack and keel over. That's yeah. when you, you go out there and a hawk's in the coop and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in Belgium. Can you, can you imagine going to your insurance agent and saying, <laughs> I need insurance on a pigeon? <laughs> well, in, in these countries that this is like the biggest sport to them, like Belgium yeah. and the Netherlands, like what I have as a loft is nothing. These are like, uh, you know, in, in Shelbyville where they have the um, – um, Tennessee walking horses. You yeah. ever drove through there yeah. and yeah. seen those big buildings? They got lofts that are bigger than those. Wow. Like it's big business. I mean, I know plenty of people that I've talked to that they when they get into pigeons, even if it's for dog training, they they end up really enjoying the pigeons. And I mean, what we have one one guy that moved down here in our chapter from New York and oh, I was I big in New him, York. And I asked him, I'm like, What do you miss most about home? And he's like, Honestly, I miss my pigeon coop. Like they would just go out there like you said, yeah. you'll just grab a grab a glass of bourbon, go sit outside and watch watch your yeah. pigeons fly around. Well, and, I love it. You know, I'm I'm sitting out there grilling, looking over my shoulder. I, or I can like today I let them out. You can just hear them going by, you know. Yeah. 
I love it. Oh man, it's it's fascinating, and and yeah, I, it really opened up my eyes. Just talking to you, you showing me pictures of these small coops. Just really, anybody can do it if they keep it on scale with what they need. You know, just don't, get on Pinterest. Don't go get fifty pigeons if you got a quarter acre lot, but you can get you know three, four, five pigeons and and use them on the regular yeah. basis. Well, you've seen where I started and where I'm at now. Yeah, you've seen the the converted chicken coop. To the uh, Taj mansion, the Taj Mahal, exactly. Yep. And, and you've th- got plans for expansion. Yes. I was about to yeah, say, you already have like the framework of what you're building into in the future. Yep. And I'm, going, I'm getting big time. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> so you're going to sell that $1.2 million pigeon. I don't think no, it won't be nothing like that. But <laughs> Well, Nick, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us about pigeons. You know, it's just we, we've actually been asked a lot of questions from people like, Hey, what do I need to do to get a pigeon coop? And me and Adam are, we don't know. We haven't successfully done these pigeons. I've tried my hand once at them. We never really got them homing, but it's, it's definitely going to happen. And, uh, I think it's going to be eye opening for a lot of people to realize, even if you're on a, just in a just regular neighborhood, you can do it, whether your regulations and, you know, municipalities, allow you that's a different topic you have to figure that out just baby steps it's all train just like the the same way you train the dogs yeah baby steps yep and and i see myself getting into pigeons pretty soon and i see another gun dog in your future as well <laughs> well i want to let you know i uh i took my dog box off of marketplace okay so good. it's one step closer to getting another dog good deal <laughs> see yep. it's a match made in heaven or a match made under a bridge whatever you want to call it <laughs> All right, Nick. Thanks for coming on, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog Yourself. Thanks again, and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.